0: Praise the Lord. Press it on. Um, have you ever been in a situation where, you know, you were just kind of facing some things and you needed to get away and just hear the Lord? <laughs> you know, sometimes just get out of your current environment in order to really be able to hear the Lord. That, that happened for me, you know, when we went to um, India a couple of weeks ago. It was just really a sweet time for me. Um, I was able to surprisingly kind of get some rest and hear God speak and, um you know we've we've got some we've had some situation in our lives that we've been facing, and what I felt like the Lord was saying to me was Matthew, now's the time to slay some giants. You know it's time to go hunt some giants, and you know and and, and step up here um, during this time. And uh, one of the for me, He took me to to the book of Joshua. You know, and uh, in the first chapter, if you remember, in Joshua one, the Lord says to Joshua. Be strong and courageous, Joshua. You know, for I've given you this land. In other words, he was speaking identity into Joshua. He was saying, this is who you are. Moses is dead now, but it's now your time. You're fully equipped with what you need for this season. You're going to take the children of Israel. You're going to take this nation across the, the river into the promised land. Now, once you get there... There's still some giants to, to defeat. There's still some some people in the land that I'm gonna you're gonna have to take the land, but you're well able. And then a couple of verses, I, I'm really kind of sum, uh, summarizing a big part of the chat, the book. But a couple of verses after he said for him to be strong and courageous, he again says to him, "Now Joshua, remember, be strong and very courageous." You know, and I feel like really the Lord is imparting that into all of our hearts. It's not our strength and not our courage, but His. It's like that Galatians 2.20, faith of God. It's His strength and His courage. So I just really want to encourage you this morning to be strong and be very courageous in the Lord. How many people could pull up in, in your mind right now a giant of some sort that you're facing? You know, a lot of people are, be it health situations Um, You know, right now as a church, we've been facing even the issue of people passing away and and graduating on to heaven and, you know, all these things are job situations. I was talking with a man recently who was quickly approaching retirement, you know, and it was a little bit difficult because, you know, the way that things have happened in the past few years, you know, that was looking a little bit uh, impossible, if you know what I mean, and So he was looking at you know maybe cutting back to part time but you know he was just sharing with me that a few years ago he didn't realize what the purpose you know his body is now telling him why there's retirement you know why why it was invented but the the situation is dictating I don't know how possible that is you know so whatever you're facing the Lord's saying to you this morning be strong and courageous you know I've given you this land. This isn't something you're going to have to figure out or you're going to have to do. And uh, besides Joshua, I was thinking about that story. Well, inclu- actually, this is Joshua. But in Numbers chapter 13 and verse 27, this is back when Moses, before he had passed, he had sent spies into the into, to scout out the land. You guys remember that? And in this, this story... Um, They go in, and it says in verse 27, Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Now isn't it interesting? All twelve of those spies, they saw the goodness. They saw the goodness, if you will, in representing us of the heavenly realm. They saw that it existed. But, Ten out of those twelve people, what kind of report did they bring back? Well, yeah, it's really good. Okay, I know God's good, but here's what they said. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Enoch there. That's the descendants of the Nephilim, of the giants. They dwell in that land. The Amalekites dwell there, so on and so forth. Verse 30, but then Caleb, representing him and Joshua, quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. You know, and the Lord was just encouraging my heart and saying, Matthew, there's really three key things here that you need to keep in mind. Number one is expectation. What do you expect me to do? Number two is confidence in Him. And number three is your identity. It's having your identity settled. Okay, so I want to look at those three things this morning. In terms of expectation, last week the Lord was stirring to me about this. Is, you know, I want to, to talk about King David in a minute, but you remember in Psalm 27, in probably one of his dark hours, he was writing the psalm with the Lord, sitting there strumming his guitar, harp. Yeah, I mean that culture. And he said this, it's Psalm twenty seven, thirteen, if you can put that up there. He said, I would have lost heart unless everybody say unless unless I had believed that I would see the goodness or the glory or the manifest presence of the Lord before I die. In the land of the living. David, I would have given up. It would have been over. I don't know if I could have gone on. Unless I would have believed one thing. Unless I would have had this expectation, this confidence that I'm going to see God's goodness in the land of the living. And I want to remind you of the word that I read that Bob gave us a couple of months ago. That in this, this season of sowing tears, just out of a little handful of grain, there's going to be a tremendous harvest. Not only as a body, but you've got to hear the word of the Lord for you this morning. That there's a great harvest coming in your life, even through your tears, even through your disappointments, even through your heartache. If you'll keep your eyes on what really matters. Because see, ten of the spies, they had their eyes and they saw the goodness of the Lord. But, but the giants in the land and the other fortified cities, they couldn't see past that. But there were two guys that had heavenly vision. And they could see what the real truth was. There were the facts of the natural world, but there was the truth of the heavenly world, which is a much superior reality. Amen? Everybody believe that? I want to remind you of what Byron encouraged us with in Mark 11:24. In Mark 11:24, Jesus said this, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray... Believe that you receive them and you will have them. You know, it speaks about expectation. He was saying to me, Matthew, what are you expecting to get out of this season? It really makes a difference. Um, Thank you, Lord. God, I just feel like right now, you just really want to um, touch somebody's heart here this morning. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you we thank you for hovering, <laughs> hovering over the surface of our hearts right now. We just invite you to richly dwell, to richly speak, God, to richly bring comfort. We thank you, God, that your hands are there, just grabbing our hands, just taking care of us. Amen. Um If you flip over to 1 Samuel, um, I want to use a classic story and... I want to use a classic biblical story from 1 Samuel. And I feel like the Lord spoke to me about a couple of key points here in the story. So that's what I want to look at here. In 1 Samuel 17, um, of course, David, 15-year-old David, has just been anointed for the first time. The Holy Spirit's come upon him. It said that the presence of the Lord had withdrawn from Saul. And here's where we pick up in 17:2. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together. And they encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, with a valley between them. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was let me use current conversions, nine foot nine. Nine- nine. Like the guy's three inches shorter than the rim of the basketball goal. That's some serious tomahawk dunks there. Um, He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 126 pounds. He had a bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spearhead weighed 16 pounds. Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. And then, of course, you know the story. I'm not going to keep reading through the whole passage for the sake of time. But everybody in the nation following King Saul was trembling with fear because they just couldn't imagine, you know, maybe at best they've got like a guy who's 6'5". Let's say 6-5 and 9-9. Nine, nine. I mean, what are the odds there? That's a pretty big difference man-to-man, one-on-one, to decide the complete battle. Except for this, this one shepherd boy, you know, who again was like 15, 16 years old. And he's thinking to himself, who is going to defy the army of my God? You know, he was like Joshua and Caleb. I bet his, his daddy had told him the stories of Josh and Caleb. Like, you know, remember that. Let me tell you about this perspective. And not only that, he had spent all this time, you know, in the fields, playing music, writing songs, and seeing the heavenly realm, seeing the glory of the Lord being manifest, just him and God. He's like, you know what? I see something a little bit different here. You know, and the Lord said to me this way, he's like, Matthew, focusing on the stature of the giant in front of you causes you to overestimate his strength. You can't just look at those fortified cities, or the giants in the land, or the, the thing that's... You know, because the giant, I mean, let's face it, whatever giant it is that you're facing, he smells bad. You know, I mean, he hasn't taken a bath in like months. You know, he's hairy, he's nasty, and his breath, his breath stinks. I mean, he needs a I mean, it's just terrible. Everything, when you look at it, it seems so overwhelming and so consuming that in this physical world in which we dwell... It seems like, I don't know, it might be over, at least whatever the situation is. But I want to encourage you, don't give credence, don't overestimate the strength of that opponent. There's something greater, there's something else, okay? And also, back in the, that, Numbers, that Numbers scripture where they were spying out the land, you know, these people had been... circling this wilderness area for 40 years. And it's like, why didn't they enter in? And I felt like the Lord was showing me, well, there may have been many reasons, but one of the big ones, I think, is because they were afraid of change. I mean, think about it. What was their main complaint to Moses every time they had a crisis? Oh, you brought us out here to die? You know, why don't we go back to Egypt? Hello, you were slaves in Egypt. You really want to go back... Well, they were just afraid of change. You know, at least they had food. At least they had water. At least they had basic provisions of life. But their lives were dictating that everything's going to change. And doesn't that sound familiar? I mean, we're in in the world, like it or not, where change is just happening, isn't it? Is there anything you can do about that? Not really. And I guess some personalities are better with change than others. But for I think for all of us, change is very difficult. But if you just keep your eyes on the pillar of cloud by day, and the pillar of fire by night, he promised Moses, my presence will go with you. My presence will go with you. And then Joshua stood there, ready to lead them into that place. But they still had to face those opponents. They still had to face those giants. Um, in, going on in the story with David, in chapter 17 and verse 13, in this part of the story here, then, you know, David is finding out about this, but his three older brothers have gone are in the in the army, in the Israeli army, and they're out there on the battlefield. In verse 13, it says, The three oldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul to the battle. The names of his three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn next to him, Abinadab, and the third Shema. David was the youngest. And the three oldest followed Saul. So what did the three oldest, who did they follow? They followed Saul. It said in verse 13, then in verse 14, it repeated it. And the three oldest followed Saul. But David, verse 15, occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. You know, during, when you're facing the giants, be careful who you follow into into the battle. You know? There's a lot of bad advice out there. And I think Saul represents the earthly realm here. It represents the earthly. Saul was ruled by the mind between his ears instead of the mind of his spirit. Okay, but notice David, what did he do? He had to get away from all that and go where? Go back to Bethlehem, find his sanctuary in the fields with the sheep. I can just imagine he would go back there, he would play his harp, he would begin to sing and worship before the Lord. And before you know it, his vision changed. When everybody else was seeing an ugly, nasty giant, he was seeing a very small foe. Because the truth is, even though we call it David and the giant, you know who the giant was and the small person was? David was actually the giant. And Goliath was really itsy-bitsy. I mean, he was just, he was small. He was puny because in David's eyes, he knew that there was something greater and something bigger that lived in his heart. And the same is true for you today. The same is true. There are foes to face, but giant slayers see from a proper perspective. It's all about what you expect. It's all about your confidence. And it's all about knowing who you are in God and your identity, being comfortable in your own skin. Now, I want to, I want to say a couple of things um, about who you follow. Number one, don't follow your emotions. Amen. Emotions can be very deceiving. You know, you're up one day, you're down the next. I think Saul was an emotional guy. I think the story plays out that he kind of went on what he fell and his emotions completely. But, you know, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places, Right? That's not based upon whether I feel that or not. It's based upon whether I believe the facts of the truth and the realities of the Scripture and what God has established. Number two, and this is a tough one, be careful with negative people. Now, I'm negative sometimes, so <laughs> I can be a negative person. We all have bad days. But you do have to be careful being surrounded by an atmosphere of pessimism. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Because when everybody's following Saul, and everybody's keeping their eyes on just that earthly perspective, it doesn't take long before you're tempted to look in that same direction. But what we see, David, is he took time to look in a different direction, to see a little bit differently. Now he he still stood shoulder to shoulder with his brothers, He brought them provisions. You know, he stood, still stood with the Israeli army. He didn't run from the battle. So it's not like we let those people fall away or we don't care. You know, many of them are our family, our our close friends. Of course, we're going to bear each other's burdens. We're going to stand shoulder to shoulder. But of course, what we're talking about is that perspective. Don't let that perspective get so consuming in you that it becomes your perspective. You've got to see with different eyes, with a different vision. Again, as I think when the Bible says that David went back to the sheep at Bethlehem, it represents the heavenly places where he, he could find heaven's perspective on himself and his situations. So number one, focusing on the stature of the giant causes you to overestimate his strength. Number two, be careful who you follow into battle. And number three, have confidence in God and in who he's made you to be. You know, I saw, I heard a preacher recently, I was listening to his podcast, and he was saying that if people in the church really believed that they were created uniquely, crafted by God for specific destinies and purposes that only they could, could, fill, could fulfill, there would be a lot fewer copycats. There would be a lot less people trying to live out their spirituality like this person or that person or that, person or that person's gifting, that person's anointing. Being completely comfortable in your identity. And this is what we find in David. You know, he tries to get, people try to put on him even after they reluctantly agree to let him go out and face this giant. Okay, David. Sure. If that's what you're going to do, go ahead. But before you go, here's some armor. You know, I got a sword in the closet. Go get that thing out. It's pretty sharp on both sides. It might come in handy. And, you know, David was even willing to, oh, well, you know, take some good wisdom and some good advice. But ultimately, what did he do? He was comfortable in his own skin. He knew what God had put in him. He knew who he was. Not who any other warrior, not who his brothers were, not who even the great King Saul was. But he knew who God had made him, and that was a shepherd. And I can just imagine when he was out there in the field with those sheep, you know, thinking back to, well, he even says, you know, I killed the lion. I killed the bear. Um, you know, I remember back to the stories that the patriarchs had told about Moses and the children of Israel coming out. And, you know, Joshua and Ka- I mean, he probably remembered all of those stories and he was completely comfortable in his own skin. And what did he do? He's just like, well, I got a slingshot. You know, that's all I need. I'm going to go down here to the creek, you know, pick up some rocks yeah, fine. Let's see. I got a pouch. You know, that's all I need. And another thing, you know, is there's this principle called, you know, remember the principle of the ant. You know, how does an ant build their great mounds and their great ant kingdoms? One speck of dust at a time. They just work really diligently. Those soldier ants, back and forth. It doesn't happen in a day, like the phrase. You know, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? You know, it's like David, he just did the things that he was supposed to do on that day. So if your giant is some huge task or some huge breakthrough that requires you to act, by all means act. But don't get so overwhelmed by the giant that, you get frozen and not being able to do anything. Just do that little bit at a time. And God's going to use that thing gradually by gradually through your faithfulness to do trem- have tremendous results. Amen? So I can just see David. He takes that sling. He takes that stone. And as he walks up to the giant, you know, the giant's throwing out all these words, curse him and everything. It's like he doesn't even hear it. I can almost see him like... Like Marlon in India, you know, he, one of his main messages was about smiling. You know, <laughs> he was always encouraged. Y'all just smile. You know, he would have them laugh. <laughs> you know, I can just see David having that in his heart almost. As he went out onto, into that battlefield before Goliath, he's just, he's just smiling, man. He's got the joy of the Lord in his heart because he knows who he is. He knows whose he is. And he knows that he has been equipped for this task at hand. Now, the last thing I want to mention because Andy said, we're going to end on time today. That was a faith statement. And look, man, we've got nine minutes left still. I mean, we are ahead of schedule. But uh, Charlie said he could lift that piano by himself. Uh, oh, Mar- oh, he said Marlon could. I thought, I, I thought you said you had that, Charlie. Don't worry about it. Put it on my back. I will carry it out the door. And, <laughs> uh... 2nd Samuel 21 This is at the very end of David's life. So he's lived a long life. There's an interesting part of the story here in 21:15 of 2nd Samuel where once again the Israelites are facing those pesky Philistines. They just wouldn't go away, you know? And here's what it says. It says when the Philistines were at war again with Israel, David and his servants with him went down and fought against the Philistines and David grew faint. Then Ishbibinab, who was one of the sons of the giant, so a son of Goliath, the weight of whose bronze spear was 300 shekels, who was bearing a new sword, thought he could kill David. But Abishad, the son of Zeruah, came to his aid and struck the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swore to him, saying, You shall go out no more with us to battle, lest you quench the lamp of Israel. I think that's a nice way of saying, You're too old, David. Stay home this time. I don't know. Now, it happened afterward that there was, again, a battle with the Philistines at Gob. Then Sebekah, the Hushethite, killed Saph, who was one of the sons of the giant. Again, there was war at Gob with the Philistines where Elanon the, of Or Oriam the Bethlehemite, killed the brother of Goliath the Gittite, the shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. So Goliath's brother, two of his kids. Yet again there was war at Gath where there was a man of great stature who had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, twenty-four in number, and he was also born to the giant. So when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shimea, David's brother, killed him. So if I'm reading this correctly, that's actually David's nephew goes and kills the third son of Goliath. These four were born to the giant in Gath and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. So, you know what a giant killer breeds? More giant killers. Chances are, if David wouldn't have stepped out onto that field at age 15, who knows what this story would have held. But because he could see from a heavenly perspective, he knew, you know, his descendants after him took on that same spirit so like byron has often said who knows whether we're going to face the end of times or not in our lifetime but one thing is certain one of our grandchildren is going to face it or our great-grandchildren you know who knows when that's going to play out somebody's going to face, and whatever your eschatology is, the tribulation or best case scenario, some really tough times before a rapture. Or whatever, however that works out, if I'm wrong, I'll apologize on the way up. That's the way I look at it. But anyway, who knows, however that's going to play out, there's going to be tough times, right? We're in tough times now. Maybe it'll get way worse in our lifetime. Maybe it won't. But even if you've lost everything, even if you have no money in the bank, No real estate to pass on, no physical inheritance. What could be a better inheritance? Than passing on a spiritual inheritance to your children and your children's children that will get them through those days. Because, like Joshua and Caleb and like David, they're going to see a different perspective. They're going to say, You know what? I know this looks tough, but I know that the return is soon at hand. That Jesus is coming, riding on a white horse with a sword in his hand. He will ultimately judge the nations. I don't have to, He's ultimately going to take care of me the cross has made a way that even when we we face the sorrow and the pain of death jesus has defeated the grave really what can the grave do to us absolutely nothing i've to- often told my students no pun intended but the day i die is the greatest day of my life you know there's no fear in that now paul said you know to live as christ to die as gain difference between me and paul is he didn't have a family that's the hard part right i mean he did have a lot of friends though he had a lot of church family that's the hard part but honestly there's not even any fear in death sin has been completely destroyed the sacrifice has already been paid as marlon said that's the good news sickness lack all of these things have been completely demolished the giants already been defeated really So what do you expect from God in this next season? Where is your confidence? And do you really know who you are? Because if you don't really know who you are, you're not going to be able to be confident. You're not going to expect a whole lot. Because you're going to feel like, well, I'm just this groveling little worm begging for bread, hoping God will bless me. But honestly, God, I don't think that's the Father's perspective. I think he desires to lavish his love onto our lives. Does anybody believe that this morning? Just lavish, Isaac, just more, just more and more of his goodness and his glory that doesn't even depend upon what our circumstances are in this life. It depends upon just his goodness and his goodness alone. Amen? So I just, in closing, I just want to encourage you to look back over the stories of the past. You know, how many times has God brought breakthrough in your life? How many times has God provided in your life? Even in the times, if you really are honest with yourself, you look back at those times that even if it seemed like he didn't. Was his presence not always there? Was his presence not always with you? Like he told Moses, I'll promise you this, Moses, my presence, it'll go with you. You know, and that's the guarantee. You can take that to the bank. That's what God has us this, for this morning. I've been looking back just as part of what I feel like God's putting in me, my call in my life towards divine healing and bringing that ministry, you know, to the body and to the world. You know, it's, been, it's, it's a tough, tough time to be a, someone who's going after healing. You know, because what do you do when you pray earnestly and someone dies? Yeah, I mean, how do you handle those things? So in my life, I've been going back and studying some of the the moves of God of the forties and fifties and and the past, like Andy was talking to me the other day, he's like, Man, have you you remember those stories where I mean they held these huge meetings where literally tumors were falling out of people's bodies, there were mountains of crutches and wheelchairs. I mean, can you and that was just sixty years ago. It's not like it was the book of Acts, which seems so far removed. It's like, can you believe? Can, you know, something about that expectation. Like, no, you know what, God? All I can say right now is I'm going to rejoice because you've counted me worthy to suffer with you, to suffer with Christ. I'm going to rejoice in that because I know that like that song we, we sang, you'll bring restoration. You will turn my mourning into dancing, my pain into joy. You're going to do that. I mean, I know that even through Matt's death, he's already done that in my heart once. I know he'll continue to do it over and over again. So praise the Lord. Andy.
1: So uh, I was speaking with one of the greatest champions of the faith that I've ever known, Cindy Martinez. Um, And she was, she got this word from the Lord. And the Lord told her to speak this over herself, healing and life over her own body. And then she went to the doctor and she got the opposite report of what she heard from the Lord. And she was discouraged by that. And the worst thing that happened to her was that the enemy began to take the word that the Lord gave her and shame her with those words. And I just want to say to us today, we will not be ashamed of the testimony that God has given us. We will never ever back down from the perspective that God is good all of the time, that he always wants to heal, that he always wants to deliver, that he always wants to restore, all of the time. So many times we face contradictions, but I, I want to tell you there is no contradiction that can stand against the love of God. There's a story that I love to tell. It's, it's, it's such a great anecdote, but There were these scientists back in the day and they took these two kids and one was a pessimist and one was an optimist. They were about seven years old. Speaking of perspective that that, uh, Matthew was talking about, but they took the kid who who was a pessimist and they stuck him in this room and they filled it with the best toys that money could buy and they stuck him in the room and he was in there for about five minutes and he was so mad. He was like, man, there's nothing good here. When am I going to get something really good? When something awesome going to show up they stuck the optimist kid and they put him in this room and it was filled waist deep with horse manure and he just looked around the room and he said you can't fool me i know there's a pony in here somewhere (laughs) and i've just been just like thinking about that story so much like like father there's a pony in here somewhere There's a healing revival somewhere in the midst of all of this. There is there is a a salvation revival somewhere in the midst of all of this. And the things that we encounter, the contradictions that we're facing right now, we're not looking at those with earthly eyes, but we're absolutely looking at the pile of manure, knowing there's a heavenly pony somewhere in that place for us to ride. Amen?
2: You know, one thing the Lord was reminding me this morning is all we really need is himself. All we, he, what he's offering in the middle of it all, there he is. And he really was reminding me that that is what he gives us beauty for ashes. Yeah. And the beauty is his beauty. The, I, was, I was reading this psalm this morning that says, cover us in your beauty. And I just realized, Lord, that's what it is. It's Yourself that here's the ashes. And out of it all, we get more of Yourself. It's Your beauty that covers us. And I just lifted up my hands this morning to the Lord. And I felt these hands reach down and grab hold of me. And, and that's what I feel like the Lord wants us to know this morning. is He wants us to know that all of heaven is backing us that He's there with us and that as we step out, that all of heaven is backing us. That's what David knew. He knew, all i got to do is just use this. But when I release it, all of heaven is backing that. You know, and the Lord was saying to me this morning, you need to be secure in the fact that I love you. I love you. That He wants us all to be completely secure in the fact that I love you. You step out there. All of heaven will be backing you because you're mine. You're mine. And it's what everyone needs. All the desperate, the, the, the needy, the poor, the broken. All we really need is more of himself. More of himself. So right now, if you just want to reach up your hands to the Lord right now. I just... I just believe the Lord wants you to experience His hands right now. So, Lord, we just reach. And, Lord, we realize and we find that you're reaching out to us. That you are releasing, Lord. I thank you that you're saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand that you are releasing your angels right now that you're releasing the helper the the holy spirit the helper to help us in time of need to help us that your hands are grabbing hold of us and saying that I am here to help I am sending the holy spirit to help I am seeing it sending all of heaven all of heaven all the angels to be released right now the angels To be released ahead of us. That we are surrounded. We are surrounded. We are surrounded. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
0: Why don't we all just stand to our feet here. This is how we want to end. When David faced Goliath, he was indignant. He was mad. And this is what he said. And I want you to repeat after me in the same indignant attitude that David had. So just repeat after me. When he faced Goliath, he said this. Who do you think you are? Say it. You uncircumcised Philistine. To taunt the armies of the living God. Bam! (laughs) That's it. I want you to just leave here this morning. Um, just let the peace of God rest upon you. You know, because in these times, I think one of the greatest temptations is just to give in to fear, give in to doubt, worry, and anxiety and all their cousins. So we just, we just want to um, release the blessings and the goodness of the Father right now. Just say, be blessed. Let the peace of the shalom of Jesus, His peace, his wholeness let it be released not only over you but over your children over your grandchildren over your home over your job even your car let the wholeness of god just surround you wherever you go whatever circumstances are around you let his peace be your peace let his joy be your joy in the name of jesus amen